Genesis chapter number 9, verses number 18. The Bible declares the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. 19 declares these were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. 22 declares Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem, Ham, and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Watch this. Then they walked in backwards and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, watch this, cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. Father, now help me, God, to properly minister the word that you've given to me, minister to the hearts and the minds of your people, and it is in Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 For uh, going on week number three, many of you guys know that we've been um, in our small group series simply entitled Peacemakers. And uh, man, so simply excited about all that God is doing in this particular series. And if I'm if I'm your pastor, I'm talking to the ones here and those that are watching me online. If I'm your pastor, I am begging you to be a part of a small group. It is a part of your spiritual diet in this ministry, please connect in some form. And it's not too late. We're in week number three. Um, after this week, it's going to be a little, little bit too late. Yes, it is. It's going to be a little bit too late because the groups will be well formed and there'll be four in the lesson. But this week is the final week we're going to have it open. If you have not connected and you desire to be, man, I'm really encouraging you to do that. Um, in this particular series, two, two scriptures, man, that are very important is Romans chapter number 12, verse number 18 is one of the foundational texts of this particular book where it says, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, before I dive deeper, let me just go ahead and say, I really don't feel preachy. I really don't even feel teachy. I really want to have a conversation with the people of God because there's something that's heavy on my heart uh, that I want to communicate that I believe that's going to bless your life for the rest of your life. It says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you. Now, I'm highlighting that middle phrase, as much as lieth in you, because when it comes to relationships, many of us kind of give up too quickly. We just kind of throw in the towel. She, you, you, you know the saying, um, um, and many of you guys have heard it. Um, you've probably said it yourself. Um, I said it in seventh grade. That's right. I was dating this girl in seventh grade, and she broke my heart. And one of my friends came up to me and says, Greg, there's plenty of fish in the sea. And so that was my motto every time I got dumped. And I got dumped more than I would like <laughs> to admit. Every time a relationship didn't work, there are plenty of fish in the sea. Sadly to say, that became my attitude in a lot of relationships. Watch this. I quit jobs with the attitude there are plenty of fish in the sea. Come on. I've given up on friendships with the attitude that there are plenty of fish in the sea, but that is not God's attitude concerning relationships. He says, as much as lieth in you, he says, give it all you got, man. Pursue relationships with an attitude of relentlessness. Come on, somebody, to connect. Can you say amen right there? 
So he gives us a model in Matthew chapter number 18. I pray I'm blessing your heart already. He gives us a model of a relentless attitude in pursuing a relationship. The Bible declares in Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Now let's press pause there for a moment because the emphasis is somebody wronged you, not you wronged somebody. Now, I could see this relentlessness in, in the attitude of pursuing a, and reconciling a relationship if you know you did wrong. If you know you said what was wrong, you feel bad, you feel kind of guilty, and you're like, you know what, I got to do what I got to do to make this right. But no, the scripture says, if you were the one that was wronged, if you were the one that was sinned against, he says, I want you to go and tell the brother about his faults between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. 16 declares, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge, every word may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Look at 17. If he refuses to listen, again, let me press pause there again. There, there is a sense of relentlessness in pursuing relationships. God, I want to help somebody. That God is requiring of us, it is expected of us not to just simply give up on relationships because there's a rift going on between you and the one that you love. Number three, he says, if he refuses, you went to him by yourself, you brought somebody with him, he didn't listen. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Bring the group of elders around, bring the community around, bring the family in to hold this man accountable for the thing that he's done. Hopefully he will repent. Hopefully he will confess his sins. Hopefully he will change his heart. If he refuses to listen even to the church, okay, there you go. Let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. That, that highlights another portion of Romans chapter number 12, verses number 18. It says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, as much as lieth in you. That's what we highlighted at first. Um, you ought to give it 100. You ought to give it 100. If, if, if things don't work out between me and a friend or me or somebody that I love, I'm going to always go to bed at night knowing that I gave 100 in that particular relationship, as much as lieth in you. But then the beginning of this text says, if it be possible. So there is a reality that in some relationships, it won't be possible. It won't, it won't be, it won't be possible. Uh, that leads me to a term that I have wrestled with for the past couple of days. And I, I thank God for uh, Minister Jeff. He kind of helped me with it a little bit um, because I, I, I've, I've, uh, I've put different terminologies on, on this different uh, uh, concept for the past couple of days. And I landed on this when there is no possibility of reconciling the relationship, coming back together again. It, the bond leads to what's known as relational estrangement, being relationally estranged. I was, the first term that I, I, I used was um, irreconcilable relationships. And I didn't like that because usually people use that terminology um, even when they haven't even tried to reconcile. They just look at, well, she, she looked at me wrong. We ain't going to never be friends. He said that we ain't going to never get along. I, I really don't like that term, irreconcilable relationship. So I'm, I'm landing here, 
relationally estranged. And I have three concepts, three ideas that lead to this estrangement, to this disconnect in the relationship. Number one, whenever, whenever there's a stubbornness in the party, it could be one person or it could be both of you guys just stubborn. Nobody wants to repent. Nobody wants to confess their sin. You saying, well, she 90% wrong, I'm 10% wrong. When she confess her 90%, then I'll confess my 10%. No, both of you guys are stubborn, and the relationship won't work because you're both hard-headed. Come on, somebody. The second thing is because when there, whenever there's toxic uh, toxicity in the relationship, now, and now I'll be honest with you, there are times when I've seen people come together, and whenever they come together, it's always poison that manifests when they get together. I, I've had friends growing up. I would be doing great in life. Come on, somebody. And whenever I connect with them, my life always goes downhill. And it's interesting because this is a biblical principle. Watch this. I believe from experience and from the, uh, the scripture that whenever God gets ready to take your life to the next level, to the next dimension, often what he does is he will pay you with somebody that's either already there or somebody that's going in that direction. That, that's a biblical principle. You see Paul and you see Barnabas there. You see, you see Jesus and the disciples there. By the same token, when the enemy gets ready to try to t drag you down, often what he does is that he pairs you with somebody that's toxic to you and this toxicity winds up poisoning you and takes your life down, creating an estranged relationship. Finally, estrangement happens not just because of stubbornness, not just because of poison in the relationship. There are times when there is a disconnect because of the nature of the sin, because of what, what they actually did. Now, we see this in Genesis chapter number nine. Follow me. The Bible declares, Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. When Noah awoke from his wine, he found out what his youngest son had done to him. Let's press pause there for a second uh, because there are a couple of schools of thoughts um, that speak to this particular statement when he found out what his youngest son uh, had done to him. One extreme, um, it's, not, it's not actually mentioned in the text, but it points to the idea that Ham had some type of sexual relations with his father while he was in his state of drunkenness. Um, we see this later on in Genesis where Lot's daughters are going to have sexual relationships with him and he's not good. He's going to wake up and not even know that his daughters had been with him. So there's a possibility that it speaks to some some form of immoral sexual act that Ham does towards his father. Or it could speak to what we plainly do see in the text that Ham walks in and he gazes upon his father's nakedness. And he chooses, rather than covering him, to expose his father and tell his two brothers. Either way, either extreme that you, either concept that you embrace, we know that when Noah wakes up, this is what he says in verse number 25, cursed be Canaan. He is extremely upset because what has happened, because what Ham has done to him. And he curses his son, Canaan. He says, cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. Now let's press pause here just for a second. Um, 
this is where we've been for the past couple of weeks. I believe this is week number four. We've been highlighting this series again, Surviving Loss. And one of the things that we've said concerning loss, we've defined loss as the deprivation of any significant attachment. I believe that this definition of loss is critical uh, because all loss leaves, leads to some type of grief. And there are many of you guys that are grieving and you don't even know you're grieving. There are some of you guys, no one has died in your family, but yet you're grieving and you don't tie the grief to some type of loss. It could be a material loss, a relationship loss, a loss of a job, loss opportunity, but all loss leads to grief. And, and we expanded that particular definition or that idea of loss leading, leading to grief. We said that all loss, watch this, gives rise to expressions related to the pain of loss. After this action, Noah is going to grieve. He's going to grieve. The reason he's going to grieve who wants to be estranged from their son? Noah preached according to the text 120 years that it was going to rain and nobody listened to him but his family. He and his three sons, daughter-in-laws, and his wife were the only one who were saved in the ark. For a little bit o over a year, they were all in this little confined space. I don't know about you guys, but during the quarantine, we were locked in the house. My family got closer than we've been in quite a long time. We were forced to interact with one another. We were forced to talk to each other. Uh, so in their quarantine in the ark, I'm sure they, they became pretty close, uh, pretty close in their relationship to one another. After the experience of the ark, this son, Ham, does something that Noah seems to believe is hideous. And he curses him. Now, understand when he curses him, it doesn't mean that he wished him ill. It doesn't mean that he wished him harm. In order to understand the curse, you have to compare it against the blessing that he's going to give to Shem and Japheth, the other two sons. What the curse means is all that I have inherited, there was a portion that was set aside for you and your lineage. He says that you will receive none of this. The blessing will go totally to your other two brothers. Curse be Canaan, and you will see this lived out. There's a relational disconnect when he pronounces this curse, this disfavor over this grandson. Watch this, and you'll see this, you'll see this played out in the rest of the text of the Old Testament because Ham begots Canaan. Canaan is the father of the people that we know as Canaanites, and there is, com there is con a continuous tension between the Canaanites, watch this, and their cousins Shem and Japheth. Throughout the rest of the text, there is this disconnect, and no way is grieving. Yeah. And so there are some of you guys that are grieving now because of the disconnect. I found myself in this particular text, and, and I wanted to, and I'm, I wanted to be careful. I was praying about examples and, and nothing outside of myself um, that I feel the liberty to share of anybody else's experience, whether I know them or whether it's just uh, national news. So I just wanted to share my own testament, uh, testimony of an estranged relationship uh, because I have estranged relationships. I have relationships where there is a disconnect and I made a choice not to reconcile that relationship. The scripture declares, if it be possible, live at peace with all men, if it be possible, 
Uh, so that gives me the understanding that there are some relationships that it won't be possible to reconcile. And in the relationship that I chose not to reconcile, let me explain the story to you guys. Um, many of you guys have heard this testimony before. I was eight years old. I was molested by one of my cousins when I was eight years old. Um, it was a very hideous thing that happened um, in the past when I reflected on it. It just really did something to my heart to know that somebody had the capability, a grown man had the capability to do something so hideous to an eight-year-old child. As I began to grow older, it actually got worse. The bitterness, the anger, the hatred actually got worse in my heart. One of the reasons that it got worse in my heart is because it just wasn't what he did. It was about all the other family members who actually knew not only what he did to me, but did to how many more of my cousins and no one ever confronted him. That's what really made me mad. That's what really made me upset is that y'all knew that this craziness was going on and you said nothing. Let me press pause there for a second. Uh, let me talk to the people that are here. Let me talk to the people that are listening to me live. My friend, if you know something that's going on, that's immoral. Oh my God. You have the moral, spiritual responsibility to open your mouth and say something. If you're watching me live, just put in the chat, I've got to say something. Yeah, maybe you're not talking to yourself. Maybe you're just encouraging the person that's watching alongside of you. You must say something. And what happened to me, there's a possibility that it could have never happened had somebody opened up their mouth and actually said something because the reality is I was far from being his first and I was way far from being the last one that he would molest like that. Because of this particular act and other rifts that was going on in my family, um, I grew up with estrangements, not just with him, but with the majority of my family. We just, we just didn't connect. Um, I, 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 uh, some, of, some of my friends that I grew up with, man, I just... I so admired what they had at Christmas. I so admired what they had at Thanksgiving. I so admired what they had on the 4th of July when all of their uncles and aunts and cousins and everybody comes together and they having a good time playing cards and doing whatever they're doing. I grew up with none of that because of this estrangement in my, in my family. So as I became an older man, oh, older man, I'm 42, praise the Lord, I have still made a decision not to bring about reconciliation in particular with him. Now, there are some other family members, cousins, and other uh, aunts and other that I have reconciled with, but I've, I've made the choice. I've made the choice not to reconcile with him. Uh, why, Pastor McGee? That doesn't sound Christian. No, the reality is I don't trust him. I don't, to this very day, I don't trust him. And I don't want to invite him over for Thanksgiving and he's in there talking with my daughter and I have to go in there and ask my daughter, so what y'all were talking about? What he said, I'm not going through that foolishness. The devil is absolutely a liar. I had, I had a, um, one, one of my mentors, he hired somebody um, in his particular business and this girl, she was stealing out of the cash register. So um, he chose not to fire her, but guess what she never gets to do again? <laughs> You never get the why. So, so, so when it speaks to reconciliation, reconciliation is a thought that the re, that the relationships goes back to where it formerly was or forward to where it could be. I was grieving the loss. Watch this. Watch this. I was grieving the loss, 
because I knew that I could never have the cousin relationship with him that I wanted, number one. Number two, the estrangement with other relatives, I just wasn't going to have that right now. And although, again, there are some I have reconciled with, there are still many that there is distance there because watch this. I believe, man, if we're going to move forward, let's be honest, man. Let's be honest. had a great conversation with the brother on last week, man. Uh, one of he, he and uh, one of his friends fell out. And one of the friends did something real crazy, and um, he was just complaining because he said, "Man, I, I thought we were thought we were tight, man. I thought we were thought we were cool." And so he and this friend they're kind of working things out right now. And my 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 encouragement to him, I said, if if the friendship is gonna work, it actually has the possibility to be stronger than it ever was before, because the reality is your friend had this craziness in his heart against you from the beginning, but you didn't know it. And anything that's not built on the truth, come on, somebody is a lie. So your relationship, your friendship, in all actuality, it was a lie. Now that the lie has been exposed, you see the poison in that, in that particular heart. Come on, somebody. Now you can actually build a great friendship because it's built on the truth. Can I get a witness in this place? Yeah. So I decided not to, to reconcile in that particular relationship. So here is, here is where I want to hang my hat. So Pastor McGee. There are times when an individual does something that's so hideous, it does not warrant a reconnection. There there are times when someone manifests something that's so crazy that it's not wisdom to put them back in the place that they used to be or it's just not wise to allow them to come as close to me as they once were. It doesn't make me Christian In some regard, it does make me wise. Come on, somebody. Because if you have the potential to bring that that type of harm to somebody, to myself in particular, not only do I not want to experience that again, anybody I love, I don't want them to be touched like that. Can somebody say amen to that? So here's the question, man. Pastor, what do you do? Here's where I'm hanging my hat. Years later, I was about 25, 26 years old, and some of you guys have heard this testimony. I was at a place in my life and in my ministry where um, I felt God really doing something great on the inside of me, really doing something great on the inside of me. And I came to a place where it seems as though after really feeling his presence, feeling this elevation, I was at a standstill in my life. And I was confused because, God, I'm looking at the past months. I'm looking at the past years, and progression continues to happen. It's not just the knowledge of Scripture or the knowledge of principles. I'm, I'm feeling a closeness with you like I never have before. And then it gets to a place where it's like a roadblock, where I can't feel you. Like It's like your presence has lifted. So I'm thinking to myself, have, God, have I sinned? Have I done something? Have I transgressed? Is there something in me? And so what God does is he gives me a dream. And this particular dream, you guys have heard this, this testimony before, I'm holding this guy in a bear hug, just like this tight. I'm talking about tight, tight, tight. And if you guys ever seen WWF, some of you, I was talking to one of my sons, Frank, the other day. Frank watched wrestling like it's real. 
Now, I know I just offended some of y'all online because y'all like, it is real. Hulk Hogan is. Yeah, okay. He a real person, but never mind. Anyway, so I had him like in this WWF type hole. I'm talking about in this grip. Mm. And I wake up out of the dream just like that. So I know that there are dreams that you can have that, you know, it's like <laughs> you ate some bad pizza. <laughs> you should have went with the Papa John's instead of the other one. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> there, there are some times when you can, you know, you can put something in your system and it just not be good for you and you can have a crazy dreams. And, and I've had people call, call me, it'd be so funny. People call me from time to time and say, Pastor, I had this dream, man. I was in an astronaut suit and I was standing on Pluto and I put a flag in Pluto and then I drifted back to the earth and I was standing on top of my house and the, the, the suit, it dissolved all around me and all of these animals came to my feet and I happened, and I'm like, hold on, pastor, what does this mean? It means you need to lay off the pepperoni, cheese only. <laughs> That's what that dream means. So I knew this wasn't a, a bad pizza type dream, man. God was talking to me. And so I woke up and I got down on my knees. I'll never forget, man, living in Hattiesburg. And God, I asked God, what are you trying to say to me? And, and this is, I, I'll be honest, this is probably the fastest God has ever spoken to me. God talks to me. Uh, but he's ne it's, it's like I asked the question, bam, here's the answer. I'll be honest, I'm your pastor. It don't normally happen that fast. <laughs> this particular day, it happened just like that. God, what does that dream mean? And God spoke to me so clearly, words that changed my life for the rest of my life. He says, it's impossible for you to grab a hold of what I have for you as long as you're holding on to a man. Now, I'm, I'm really, really tripping. I'm really, really tripping because, watch this, I didn't touch him, he touched me. <laughs> I didn't mess with him, he messed with me. I knew exactly what God was saying. But in my heart, I didn't think it was fair. But the reality is for anybody that's holding bitterness, unforgiveness in your heart right now, whether you're here with me live or whether you're watching me on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, harboring unforgiveness in your heart is like drinking poison and hoping another person dies. It just don't work. It's poisonous to your soul, my friend. It is poison to your to your spirit and what God showed me is that I had got to a point oh God is so merciful God is so so merciful because he will use you with craziness in you he is merciful I'm telling you I'm, as, as, as a younger guy I remember there were times man when when I felt such a presence on me and there was such miraculous things happened through this vessel of clay I knew I just had arrived <laughs> Because there's no possible way that God could use me like this and something like that be in my heart. So, so God had been so merciful, watch this, preaching grace with hate in my heart. Because I did hate him. <laughs> I'm your pastor and I'm confessing. I did hate him. I wanted him to die a thousand deaths. <laughs> but I was preaching the love of God. I was preaching the grace of God but I had hate in my heart. But here's the problem. Hate never surfaced because I hardly ever did see him. I never saw him. Maybe once every three years, I would see him at some function. Um, we'd get together at my old church and he'd show up and, and I'd ignore him and I'd go about my business or whatever. So it, it, it never did really just fester there. But God says, I've winked at this long enough. And that's what God is saying to some of you guys today. I've winked at that bitterness long enough. 
I'm challenging you to do something with that that's in your heart. Because here's the deal. <sighs> the pain was connected to the loss of the relationship that I could have had with my family, but seems as though was not going to happen at that particular time. I looked at all of my other friends and the great times they seen, and I'm sure they had their share of craziness too, but it was certain things that I longed for and I was hurting because I didn't get it. This is what I want to challenge you guys with. When you in this place of grief where your heart is hurting because of the relational disconnect, it's easy, watch this, to do things that you're going to regret. It's easy to make promises that one day you're going to have to retract. So God is dealing with me now and God is challenging me, son, it's time for you to forgive. So, man, I had to I had to do my research because this is something huge. Watch this. I taught. I, I was preaching. I was called to preach at 13. I preached my actual first sermon at 18 from 13 to 18. I just bootleg. What does bootleg mean? That means you stand up. We I grew up in an older church where uh, we had testimony service every Sunday. And so when I got up, I literally testified every Sunday. And I had an introduction, three points, and a conclusion. And couldn't sing, but I tried to tune up at the end. Set them on fire. Um, so I'm ministering, but God says there's something in your heart. So God, if, you, if, you go, if you're challenging me to forgive him, what, what, does, what does forgiveness, what does it really look like? What does it mean? Because I really had never really just done it before. I've overlooked faults. I've... I've, I've glazed over certain things, but to actually have somebody to do something to me so hideous and to look at that brother and then to, to forgive them was a challenge to me. And sad to say there's some of you guys now that was in a position that I once was in. Um, you have right now, I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking, can I, can I take my time, y'all? I told you I'm so tired of talking to a camera. There's some of you guys in a situation right now where forgiveness has been such a hard thing for you to exercise that for the past X amount of years, you have a trail of broken relationships with no possibility of reconciliation in your own heart because you have chosen not to release that person, not to forgive that person. Forgiveness doesn't always, watch this, forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. I'm going to highlight that in just a moment. But in order for rec true reconciliation to transpire, forgiveness is paramount does that make sense okay so i'm asking god what is forgiveness this is what he began to show me and i want to th this is this is over the years just things that i've developed and he's continued to show me not all at one time but i was serious about because i wanted to be free the problem was i was bound and didn't even know i was bound I was in a cage and didn't even know I was in, my, in the cage. I had limitations over my life. God, help me in this place. And here, here's, here's the problem. You, you, know, you know, so you have, you have an A student and you have a C student at best. You have an A student and then you have a C student at best. What's a C student at best? On their best day, they're going to make a C. Doesn't make them less than anybody else. They have strengths in other areas, but on their best days, they're going to make a C. Here's the problem when you got an A student making B's and feeling okay because he's comparing himself to the C student. You can't live your life like that. If the C student is given 100, which is a C, you can't compare yourself and think you're going to be okay just because you're doing better than everybody else. I want to help. So in a sense, 
I was being elevated in ministry. I was being elevated. There were certain things that I was experiencing. When I look at certain other peoples, it seems as though they were not experiencing the same level of ministry function as me. But there was greater that God has for me. But I never considered the greater because I always compared myself to everybody else. I wonder how many of you guys right now are sitting where you are and you might be in that same position right now where you're not giving 100 because you're just comparing the fact that you're doing better than her. And because you're doing better than her, that means you don't have to maximize your true potential. Here's the problem. When Jesus comes back, he's looking for a people that he's going to say good and faithful servant. What do you mean faithful? Faithful doesn't mean that I did better than him. It means that I gave 100 despite him. Come on, somebody. Because if I'm the C student, or, or y'all with, if I'm the C student, I have no business comparing myself to the A student at all. No, I'm going to give 100 no matter where where I am. So what is this thing about forgiveness? Number one, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. If you're taking notes, jot it down. Um, if I'm moving too fast, email me or text me and I'll shoot you my slides. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. It takes two for reconciliation, only one for forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting. That's what, that was, that's one of the things that I kept hearing preached to me. You, you got to forgive and forget, forgive and forget. And, um, the problem is I don't think that I'm crazy. <laughs> uh, my wife disagrees with me, but um, she says I got a bad memory. I don't think I have a bad memory. I just remember stuff that's important. <laughs> I'm glad she ain't in here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Forgiveness is not forgetting. Watch this. Um, I can never forget what happened to me. Doesn't mean that I can't forgive what happened to me. Y'all with me? The reality is... What I remember is what's helping me to minister to other people that's hurting. And how can I rightfully minister to people about their pain if I forgot my pain? So forgiveness is not forgetting. It is necessary to remember before you can forgive. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not about how you feel. It's a choice. It's an act of the will. Forgiveness is not excusing unjust behavior. This is so good, man. Watch this. It is acknowledging that unjust behavior is without excuse. Forgiveness is not denying the hurt. So in, in a lot of good Christians, I don't know why, but a lot of good Christians do this. They act like it don't hurt, like it's unspiritual to experience pain or to admit. Um, I, I heard uh, Jazz, Jazz, she was ministering a couple of weeks ago, and she says, it's okay not to be okay. I love that. Because there are some who feel as though that they are less spiritual or less connected, dis are disconnected to God if they feel any type of, but, but no, it really is okay not to be okay. Forgiveness is not denying the hurt. It is feeling the hurt and making a choice to release it. Forgiveness is not, here's, here's where I'm hanging my hat on this thought, it's not a natural response. It's a supernatural response empowered by God. So God is challenging me to forgive this brother. I got to forgive this brother. Um... And then God challenged me to do something that, and I may expound on it, I may not, that he doesn't expect of everybody, but he told me to do it. And if I choose to talk about it a moment, um, I'm, I'm ministering this with a grain of salt, that this is not the case for everybody, okay? Um, there are some people when you forgive, God desires for you to approach them, but that's not necessary for you to forgive because watch this. 
what if they are dead? And I'm going to deal with that in just a moment, forgiving the dead. <laughs> because you can be mad at somebody in a grave. Okay. So as I've done my homework over the years on forgiveness and that particular dream started a journey on the inside of me. Once I was able to get to the place to really forgive him from that moment back, it allowed me to go back and fix some relationships that were actually, I thought they were irreconcilable. I thought they were irreparable. I thought that we would never be able to come together on one accord or any type of agreement at all. The devil is a lie. Once God started dealing with my heart, I was able to go back and fix some of those old relationships. By the same token, as I have moved forward and progressed in my relationship with God, um, my relationships in general have been so richer, so richer, because I consider myself to carry the spirit of forgiveness. I make the choice to carry the spirit of forgiveness. Why? Because people you love will disappoint you. People you love will say some things out of character. They will do some things out of character. And just because they said or did doesn't mean that you cut everybody off. Can I get a witness? So over the years, I've studied forgiveness and I've, I've gone through all types of steps. I've actually taught all types of steps on forgiveness. And I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to highlight the one single thing that helped me the most. To look at the pain of my experience and to be able to release that brother. What does it mean to forgive? It means it means when you completely release someone of the debt that they owe you. Meaning you don't owe me a sorry. You don't owe me. You don't. I'm not asking you to fix nothing. I'm not asking you to repair nothing. The, the bitterness, the, the anger, the hatred, it's dissolving in my heart against you to the point where I no longer wish you ill. I literally wish you well. And that's where I am now in this estranged relationship with my cousin. I literally wish him well. So, Pastor, what's the one single thing? There's a bunch of things that I did, a bunch of things that God took me through the one single thing that I did. Have you ever known anybody who was extremely hard, whether it was a boss, whether it was a parent, whether, whether it was a pastor, <laughs> anybody that I, I heard that back there, watch it. So somebody that was extremely hard on you. This is what you can't see. People who are extremely hard on you are 10 times harder on themselves. And that's what you can't usually see. You just see how how much pressure they're putting on you to perform at your peak, at your best. What you don't see is the hardship. They literally rest on their own shoulders in striving to do their best. So let's translate this particular analogy to forgiveness. People who have problems giving forgiveness are usually the same people who have problem receiving it. Because forgiveness literally is a gift that you give well because you received it well. And my real problem with forgiving this brother was the fact that I had unresolved accounts in my own heart. There were things in my past that I did. There were things in my past that I said that I was disappointed about Greg, that I literally never forgave myself of. Do I believe that God forgave me? 
absolutely positively. The Bible declares if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I could quote the scripture, but when it came to actually releasing myself, I didn't do that well. I didn't do it well at all. So this is what God began to minister to me. He began to show me my own faults, began to show me my own sins and my own shortcomings and things that I've said and dumb things that I've said, dumb things that I've done. Anybody ever done something dumb? You're like, why you do that? I don't even know why I did that. <laughs> just said something dumb. Why you say that? I don't know. I ain't have nothing to say, so I just said. And so literally what helped me is when I turned my back on what he did and really just focus on what, man, what I've been doing with my own life. No, Greg, maybe you've never done that, but you do have your share of craziness. And you mean to tell me that God will forgive you like that? The Bible declares as far as the east is from the west. That's why I love. I love my God. I love my Jesus. I love my Bible. I love my faith. If you compare Christianity with any other religion in the entire world, every other religion is based on works. You have to do this in order to be accepted. You got to. You got to be this. You got to. And I'm not against works. I'm not against works because we have our share of works within our faith. But when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to Jesus, it's not about trying to please a God that sits way up there. It's about relating to a personal savior that lives right here. And so I don't work to please him. I work because I've already been accepted by him. How amazing is that, man? How, how amazing is that? I got, have five kids. I have five kids and watch this. I cleaned up, throw up and I cleaned up poop. <laughs> and uh, I found hidden broken vessels under couches. And I found marks on walls that I didn't even know until we moved into another house. And lo and behold, surprise, surprise. But I tell you, out of all those things that I count as negative that my kids have done or that have caused me hardship, man, I love my babies. I love my babies. How is it, man? Children are born into the world, and you know they're going to keep you up all night. Come on, Shabazz. Can I get a witness? They're about to keep you up all night. Can I get a witness, Chris and Jamie? Chris said, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Go ahead then. <laughs> Something that's been a mess all over the place rob you of your sleep. But man, watch this. No good have they done. But you love them just like that. Now I want you to take that type of love and multiply it times infinity. And that's the type of love that God loves you with. What's so crazy about this particular love is he saw your fall before you fell. <laughs> it's not like he was surprised and be like, oh, man, son, I can't believe you did that. That's, that's, that's parental right there. You did what? <laughs> Matter of fact, many of us just could not be God because if we knew our children were going to do that, we'd go ahead and annihilate them. <laughs> Soon as you're born, we say, oh, you're going to do that? It's done. 
No, God saw the fall before you fell. He saw the failure before it transpired. And he provided enough grace to cover that sin as well. You know what's crazy? Many of us sitting right now in this sanctuary, in your home, in your living room, all dressed up, looking sanctimonious, and God knows your next failure. And he says, I love you anyway. My problem with forgiveness is the fact of the matter that I hadn't embraced that type of forgiveness from God. My, my relationship was not a grace-based. It was a works, legalistic-based relationship. I thought God loved me because I was living so holy, because I was a preacher of the gospel, because people were getting saved when I, no, 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 no. The Bible declares while you were yet in sin, Christ died for you. He manifested that love. So when I embrace that from God and I turned around to face the situation, it made it so much easier to give forgiveness because I had received it well. So this is what God told me. I'm over time, but this is what God told me. Um, God told me to go and release him. Now, again, this is what he told me. This is not for everybody. God is not just telling everybody to do this, um, but he told me to do it. Uh, yeah, because there are certain relationships to today that I had to forgive, but I don't have, I haven't been released to approach the person for whatever reason. If I ever feel re the release, I'm going to obey God because I'm going to live. I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to be free. Is anybody that want to be free? Come on, so I'm going to, I choose to be free. And I'm not going to allow any dumb stuff to hinder what I got with God, watch this, number one, and number two, what he wants to do through me to progress the kingdom of God. The devil is absolutely a liar. So he, he told me to go to him. And you know what? I, when he told me, again, I'm living in Hattiesburg. I come to the coast once a month, every other month. I hadn't seen this guy three, four, five years. So when he told me, yeah, I was like, sure, God, whatever. And um, I had forgot I told God, yes. I know y'all ain't never did that before. You said, yes, Lord. In the moment, you know, in the moment of worship, the Spirit of God is ministering to you and he's dealing with your heart. And God says, I want you to. And you says, yes, Lord, whatever. Send me out. Go. That's what I said. But I forgot I had told God, yes. So I showed up in the service, man. And um, uh, they were playing one of my jams, man. And I was, man, I, I never forget, man, I had on my, my burgundy alligator shoes with them brown plaid slacks, praise the Lord, with them burgundy specks, white shirt and burgundy tie. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and they were singing my song. I think it was 1996, uh, blessed, blessed in the City, Fred Hammond. And, man, I was jamming to my tune, boy. I was on the... I, had, I was on the preacher's front row. Praise the Lord. Choir was singing, blessed in the city, and I'm jamming. And while I'm jamming, I look behind me, and there he was. I said, are you serious? You messing up my praise right now. <laughs> so watch this. When they were singing, I was doing my little thing like this. I was doing, hey, go on, choir. Y'all know how y'all do it. Go on, choir. I saw I like hey. <laughs> Oh my goodness. 
So here's the good part. Um, I had already forgiven him in my heart. I had forgiven him in my heart. So I go to him after service, and um, he's the kind of dude, man, that it's like, again, I only saw him every three to five years because I had moved. I moved away from here in 96. I didn't come back to later on. And even when I did come back, my schedule was just whatever. But he's the kind of dude, whenever he saw me, he'd come up to me as if everything was good. Hey, Greg, how you doing? I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? And so I approached him after service. It was just he and I. It was just he and I. And I, I said, you might not remember what happened. But this is what I remember happening. And I want you to know, man, that I forgive you. I don't wish you no ill. I don't wish you no harm. I actually had started praying for him. That's what I did. Start praying for him. And when I first started praying for him, I didn't mean it at all. But through prayer, God began to soften my heart. And when I prayed for him, I actually started blessing him. I blessed him. And that was a turning point in my life and in my ministry. Because you know, the devil will always try to hold something over your head if he can. So, Pastor, tie this together, tie this together, tie this together. There are times when rifts happen in relationships that are major. There's a possibility for reconciliation, but reconciliation is not always warranted, sometimes depending on the nature of the sin. Sometimes it's just not. So whether relationship reconciliation is warranted or not, what do I do with this pain in my heart? I'm telling you what you're going to have to do with this pain. Whether you reconcile with the person or not, God says today, you got to forgive them. You got to forgive them. You got to forgive them. You have to release that bitterness and that anger in your heart. Because how can you hold against them, their sins, and you expect me to release grace to you in spite of your sins. Won't work that way. So here's my challenge to those who are seated here and those who are watching me live. I pray that this is blessing you, man. Again, I really didn't feel preachy. I didn't feel teachy today. I just wanted to have a conversation with you guys. Um, I have one more, one more lesson on surviving loss and then we'll change channels. But maybe you're one of the ones here and you're saying, Pastor, that's me. Um, I'm having problems forgiving. I'm having problems. I'm, I'm, I'm being challenged in this area of releasing debt that I believe somebody owed me because what they did, what they said, how they disappointed me. They just should have, they should have never done what they did. Help me. If that's you in this sanctuary, just lift your hands and say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. I'm having some challenges. I'm having some challenges. Online, just lift your hands. Come on. Lift your hands online. Facebook Live, YouTube. Just just say, that's, that's me, Pastor. Because I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Hmm. But before I pray, I do want to do this. I want to point to the fact that there is a possibility that it's hard to release somebody of their sin because you hadn't fully embraced forgiveness for your sins. Maybe you hadn't fully embraced forgiveness. 
My friend, I want to give you guys an opportunity to do that today, to, for, to receive forgiveness. May God so loves you. Again, forgiveness is not excusing their behavior. Mm. I'm going to let God take care of him and them. I'm not going to wish judgment upon them anymore. I'm done with that. I'm so done with that. Yeah. Hmm. One, one of my buddies, he, he challenged me the other day uh, because somebody did something crazy. And um, I, I was so carefree about it. He was like, man, do you not care? Do you not care? I says, brother, I really wish them well. I just can't spend the rest of my life being consumed about Mm-mm. No, no, I release that. I release it. If we come back together to, again, we can come to some type of agreement. I'd absolutely love it. But just in case we can't, I got to wish them well because I plan to do well the rest of my life. So in order to forgive, I had to receive forgiveness. So bow your heads, close your eyes all over the building. Bow, bow the heads, close your eyes all over the building. Yes, 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 yes. And I just want you to ask God. Because usually nine times out of ten, there's some, there's some lingering thing that the enemy is dangling over your head. Something there, he's dangling over your head. And he said, yeah, what about this? What about that? And this is what I want you to do. I want you to release it for the final time today. I want you to release it for the final time today. And there's somebody that's watching me right now. You don't even have a relationship with Jesus, but guess what? He's knocking at the door of your heart, and he's saying that I want to come in, and I want to sup with you. That's right. I want to be your God. I want to be your Lord. I can do a better job leading your life than you could, and I want to help you with that today. If you today, my friend, if you'll confess your sins to him, the scripture teaches if we will confess, if we will confess our sins that he's faithful and just to forgive us, Psalms teaches us as far as the east is from the west. That's how far I'm going to separate you from your sin. You don't have to walk around for the rest of your life with condemnation, guilt, and shame based on past decisions that you are. Today, you can be free, my friend. Today, today, right now, you can be free. It's a judicial act. When he lands the gavel in heaven and says it is finished, he means exactly that. I'll never bring it up again, God says. If you'll just confess it to me. Confess it. Come on, do it now. Come on, all over this building. Do it now, do it now, do it now. God, this is what's nagging in my heart right now, what I said here. This is what's nagging me right now, what I did. Ten years ago, God, 20 years ago. It's been 20 years, but I still think about this thing, God. Like it happened last night. Today, God, I'm confessing that I was wrong. I'm not making excuses for my sin. Come on, come on. I'm not making excuses for what I did. I'm not making excuses for what I said. I was wrong. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you, Jesus, not to hold against me what I did and what I said. Release, release me now. Somebody just shout, Lord, release me now. Release me now, God. Release me, release me, release me, release me, Father. Release me, Jesus, of the pain that I'm experiencing in my heart, concerning my failures, God. Release is happening in this place right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Release me, Jesus. Ah, my God, today. Release me, release me, release me. 
Now, Father, now in the name of Jesus, I know that the strength of forgiveness lies in the power of receiving this great gift first. There's some man, woman, boy, girl under the sound of my voice. They are receiving it now. They are dealing with their own account, their own leisure now. Failures of their past. It's being reconciled now, God. And God, with that same grace, transformation is happening. God, I pray that you wouldn't just touch and stir. But God, today, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would change hearts today. And the greatest way to change a man's heart, the greatest way to change a woman's heart, God, is for them to receive forgiveness of their sins, to experience the peace and joy of what it feels like to be debt-free. Release is happening right now. God, as we move forward in our journey with you, Lord, there will be many who will offend us, God. There will be many, God, who will disappoint us in the actions, in the words, in their inactivity, Father. But with grace, we're able to forgive because we have truly received forgiveness today. I thank you for your great gift. I thank you for it now. I thank you for it now. Everybody repeat after me. Say, Lord, I receive it now. Say, God, I receive it now. I receive forgiveness of my sins now. Repeat after me. Say, repeat after me and say, Lord, with the same grace, with the same mercy, with the same forgiveness I receive today, I choose to give it away to all those who've hurt me, offended me and disappointed me I choose to give it away today in Jesus' mighty name come on and put those hands together all over this building online come on let's give it up give me some hearts man give me some thumbs up hallelujah this message bless you